The American Council of the Blind presents ACB Reports, a monthly news magazine containing topics of interest to people who are blind or have low vision. I'm Mike Duke. This month... Is a driverless automobile in your future? And get an update on quiet car regulations from the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. Fasten your seat belts and come along for the ride with ACB Reports for September 2012. A while back, Google demonstrated how technology could be used to create a driverless automobile. The presentation on this subject at this year's annual conference and convention of the American Council of the Blind was introduced by ACB First Vice President Kim Charlson. Ever since I was a little girl, I always used to tell my parents that someday there would be a car that I could just get into and push the buttons and program in my destination, and I would get to go there, and I wouldn't have to have anybody drive me anywhere. This is just amazing that there are two women here to talk to us today about a driverless car in our futures. I want to welcome to the podium Naomi Black, who is an engineering program manager, accessibility at Google, and Laura Palmaro, who is accessibility specialist, working out of Mountain View, California at Google. Thank you, ladies. My name is Naomi Black, and I work with a team at Google called the Accessibility Engineering Team. And my role at Google has two parts. I come to events like this, and I meet with our users, and I explain what we've been doing recently, and I listen to you so that I can bring your feedback back to our teams. The second part of my role is working inside Google with our engineers and our product managers to help them understand the accessibility needs of our users and help them find technological solutions. My name is Laura Palmero, and I am actually an account manager within our online sales division of Google. Uh, but one of the really cool things about Google is that we're enabled to take part in what we call 20% projects, um, basically aligning yourself with an area of the company that you really feel passionately about. So I've been partnering with Naomi and her team uh, to work on accessibility outreach, both internally and externally. Computers and the internet are empowering more and more individuals in their communities to connect and find information in ways that in the past we couldn't have imagined possible. We know that there's still a long way to go before the full potential of the internet is available to everybody. But when done with full consideration for accessibility, technology can be an amazing democratizing force. It can empower people with greater independence and agency over their own lives and work and leisure. So one example of this is the screen reader support that we've added recently in our Chromebooks. I don't know how many of you are familiar with Chromebooks, so I'll, I'll explain briefly. As we move forward, we're putting more and more things online. We have our email online, we have documents online, and we wanted to make a device that looks like a laptop that you can use to go directly online to get all those things. So we took basically what was in our web browser, Chrome, and we put it into a box that looks like a laptop, and we call that a Chromebook. When we envisioned these Chromebooks, what we had in mind was a computing device that anybody could use, and it would just be accessible from the start. We imagined that students and employees would be able to use the exact same device, whether they were blind or had other needs. They could just take this device, log in, open it up, and it would remember who they were, and it would give them access to all the things that they needed. So we're on our way to this with our screen reader called ChromeVox, 
which is built into Chromebooks and is also available as an extension for Google Chrome. And we just rolled out in over 100 Best Buys nationwide. You can go into a Best Buy and try a Chromebook, and if you hit Control-Alt-Z, it will start speaking to you with the built-in screen reader. You don't have to install anything special. And not only do you not have to install anything special, but it updates itself automatically. So I know some of you have been helping us with our trusted tester program, and we sent you Chromebooks a while back when things were not speaking so fluidly. And uh, every six weeks, we've pushed a new version of Chrome, and Chromevox updates automatically. So those same devices today work a whole lot better than they did when we first launched them without you having to install or update anything. So another example of where we're working on accessibility today is in the Braille support that we've just added in our latest version of the Android operating system. We nicknamed this release Jelly Bean, and in it it has support for external Braille displays that you can connect over Bluetooth so that you can use Braille to navigate what's on your mobile phone. We also include TalkBack on Android, which is a screen reader. And of course, we're all very excited about the long-term potential of our project to develop a self-driving car. So to kick off this portion of the discussion, uh, we'd like to play a short clip of audio description of a video that we recently released on YouTube. A man walks out his front door wearing a brown sweater, khaki pants, a newsboy cap, and sunglasses. He heads to a Toyota Prius emblazoned with Google logos, a can-shaped sensor spinning on the roof. Passengers wait inside. Good morning, Steve. Hey, Nathaniel. How are you? This is great. He takes the driver's seat. Go ahead, Steve. Auto driving. Here we go. Away we go. Steve rests his hands at his sides as the car pulls onto the road, the steering wheel turning on its own. Look, Ma, no hands. <laughs> no hands anywhere. No hands, no feet. No hands, no feet. No nothing. <laughs> The Prius rolls down a quiet residential street. So we're here at the stop sign. Yep. Cars using the radars and laser to, to check and make sure there's nothing coming either way. I find myself looking. <laughs> Old habits die hard, man. Hey, hey, they don't die. Hey, anybody up for a taco? Yeah, yeah. What do you want? What do you want to do today, Steve? I'm I'm all for tacos though myself. All right. Well, let's go get a taco at the drive-through. Words on the bumper read, self-driving car. The car slows. And we're turning into the parking lot. How There we go. Now we kind of creep along here. Does anybody have any money? I've got money. No, I've got my wallet right here. You roll down your window and order a burrito. They pull up to a drive-thru window. I'm doing very well. How are you today? Back on the road, they make a smooth left-hand turn, hugging an inside lane. This is some of the best driving I've ever done. <laughs> <laughs> Viewed from the side, the car rolls past houses. Steve waves with a smile. Later, they pull into a handicapped parking space, and Steve steps out to pick up his dry cleaning. He uses a white cane. 95% of my vision is, is gone. I'm well past legally blind. Back by the car, he collapses the cane. On the road, he rests an arm on the window. You lose your timing in life. Everything takes you much longer. There are some places that you cannot go. There are some things that you really cannot do. Steve eats a taco as the car rolls into his driveway. Where this would change my life is to give me the independence and the flexibility to go the places I both want to go and need to go when I need to do those things. 
He waves his cane as he heads inside munching on his taco. Words appear. Steve Mahan, self-driving car user number 00000000001. Credits. Produced in partnership with Morgan Hill Police Department and Santa Clara Valley Blind Center, San Jose, California. You guys get out. I've got places I have to go. Bye now. It's been nice. You know, it's been, it's, it's been nice. The Google logo appears, with a second O in Google replaced by a cartoon car. More credits. Director Matt Rutherford, executive producer Seval Oz, editor Carter Gunn. If any of you would like to pull that up again, it's actually just on YouTube now. If you search for self-driving car, audio description, you should be able to find it. If you ask yourself, you know, so why are we doing this? Why is Google investing in this? Um, our real mission here is to improve people's lives by transforming mobility. So we firmly believe that these self-driving cars and all of the technology involved, uh, they have tremendous potential to actually make driving safer, make it more enjoyable, and make it more efficient for everyone. So when you think about it, you know, about 1.2 million people worldwide are actually killed in car accidents every year. This is a huge number, and this doesn't even take into consideration the people who are injured in car accidents. Um, I mean, when you think about all these deaths that are such tragedies, most of them are actually caused by human error. So people are distracted on the road, they're texting, they're just not paying as close attention as they should be. Um, so we firmly believe that this technology is actually going to help reduce the number of human error fatalities on the road drastically. So my commute to work today is about two hours each way. Americans spend 340 hours a year commuting on average. That's five times longer than most spend on vacation. I'm really grateful that my commute is by bus, and I have the opportunity to use that time productively. But imagine how much time people could regain if they didn't have to drive or stand around waiting for the bus schedule. And similar to Naomi, um, my commute to work actually is an hour and a half each way every single day. And I'm very, very thankful to work for a company that actually provides transportation for its employees. It's amazing. But for me, it's not only a convenience um, and a luxury, it's also rather a necessity. And at this point, I'd like to take a minute just to explain a little bit about my life that kind of demonstrates to you all why I'm so very passionate about this particular project at Google. So when I was 10 years old, actually, uh, I was diagnosed with a very, very rare visual disorder called choroidalastiomas. Um, and I was rendered legally blind at age 14. So everything changed very, very quickly for me. And with a great deal of support from my, my family, from my friends, from the school systems, I was able to figure out the right mix of assistive technologies to actually piece together how to make it through high school, how to make it through college, and how to now actually function at a company where you know, I'm, I'm keeping up with my fully sighted coworkers at a very fast-paced and challenging environment. So looking at the nature of, of my disorder, actually, um, my peripheral vision remains pretty clear. So I'm able to walk around without much assistance. Um, but when it comes to my central vision, it's, it's a bit of a mess. So I'm unable to drive, and I'm unable to ride a bike successfully. So the one portion of my life where I have not really been able to be completely independent, which is so important to me, has been transportation. So, you know, the last seven years of my life, I have actually chosen explicitly to be living in large cities, to be able to utilize the public transportation and really be as independent as possible. But the thought of someday being able to hop into a car and drive myself to, you know, run an errand or drive myself to work or drive myself to go pick up my children at school, that is a revolutionary idea that would literally change so many people's lives and it opens up possibilities that, honestly, until now, only seem like distant dreams. So if you can't tell, I'm very thrilled about this entire possibility and this project. And if there's anything that I can do to get these cars on the road one day sooner, I'm going to do it.
So you might be wondering, how does this work? The first step is we build a map. So think about Google Maps, but imagine something that is much, much more detailed and precise. Our map contains road information, things that are known like traffic safety zones, construction zones, speed limits, and so on. It also has very, very precise information about the road and its surroundings. We build this part of the map by driving, using cameras and lasers and radar to build a very, very precise model of what's on the road. Now, you can imagine that driving around with a camera with all of these recording and sensor devices generates a very, very large amount of data. This part's really exciting to us. We're a technology company, and we love data. And we take all this data, and we use our data centers to take it and compute it and turn it into an extremely detailed map that allows our cars to drive semi-autonomously. We then go through and we drive a route without driver assistance. And when we do this, we're following that map. But we're also using the cameras on the car, the same cameras and sensors and devices that built the map, to record what's changed, what's new on the road. We're looking for things like other cars and pedestrians and things that have just changed in the road layout so that the car can appropriately respond and react. The software in the car controls acceleration and deceleration, and mounted cameras are providing up-to-date information at all times about what's around the car. Safety is really, really, really important to us. When we're driving these cars on the road and running through our tests, we have a safety driver present in the car at all times. And that driver can take over in any situation the car hasn't been fully programmed to handle. There's three ways that our safety drivers can take over. One is they have an emergency stop button. It's, it's a great big red button that sits in the middle of the car. And if they smack this button, all of the autonomous driving turns off and it's just a regular car. The other ways that they can take control of the car is that if they touch the steering wheel, the car stops driving itself and the human driver takes over, or if they touch their foot to the brake. And so we have very carefully selected our safety drivers. They're people with spotless driving records, and uh, we're very, very careful. So we've driven over 250,000 miles all across California, and in some locations in Nevada, Washington, D.C., and Florida. We've taken the cars on a wide variety of terrain through a range of road conditions, including a loop around Lake Tahoe. We've gone to L.A. and through it, and we've even taken a drive through the Santa Cruz Mountains. You might be wondering when you will see these cars on the roads. I know Laura wants to know. Our long-term goal is fully autonomous self-driving cars. We want to give everyone, blind people included, the choice of whether they'll drive or not. But meeting this goal is going to require incredibly high levels of reliability. Imagine commercial aviation without a pilot. Now add flying dogs and children that can run in front of your plane. Our top priority is to make sure that when people are choosing not to drive, they are actually safer, and they're making the people around them safer as well. As we develop and refine these technologies, we think we might start by introducing some of these autonomous capabilities that can be used in conventional automobiles. We're only going to introduce these kinds of features when we really know that they can make the public safer. On a purely technological basis, we think that some of these first steps are years away, not decades. But solving the full end-to-end -end challenge of how we make a fully autonomous self-driving car is going to take a lot of careful work and plenty of testing. We're really excited about that challenge, but we're also realistic about how long it will likely take to get there. You might be wondering how you can help us with this. Before a person who's legally blind can drive one of these cars, there are going to be a number of legislative challenges, as well as technological ones. In Nevada, lawmakers have passed legislation that enables this technology to move forward. 
Most importantly, they've created a viable consumer market for both driver-in-car and unmanned vehicles. Explicitly allowing both of these things is going to be crucial for us to make progress towards our overall goal of increasing access to mobility. Today, there are bills under consideration in Florida and California as well. We're really excited to see progress on them. So organizations like ACB can really help us. You can help support our efforts in discussions with lawmakers at the state and federal level. And at this point, you know, there's also a significant amount of work for us all to be doing to really educate the public on what this all means, you know, what this technology means for safety, what it means for accessibility, and what it means for productivity as a whole. So at this point, you know, we would really ask that everyone here continues to do research and continues to work to understand these issues at hand. We're going to be continuing to develop this technology and, and continue these tests, and we will absolutely be looking to you all for input and involvement as we work to really understand what makes for a truly accessible driving experience. We're excited as a technology company about using technology to empower more and more individuals to have greater independence in their personal lives. We're focused on both short-term goals, things like Chromebooks and Braille support on Android, and also on our long-term goals, like self-driving cars. And ACB is a national leader in this area. We are so proud to work with the ACB as a trusted friend and as a partner, working together towards ways of applying technology to make people's individual lives better. So thank you so much for having us here. Naomi Black and Laura Palmaro were recorded during the 2012 Conference and Convention of the American Council of the Blind in Louisville, Kentucky. You're listening to ACB Reports. ACB Reports continues with an update on the addition of pedestrian warning signals to quiet cars. David Strickland is with the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. Well, it's always exciting to hear the fine folks at Google talk about what they're working on. It really does show an opportunity for a future for individual mobility and for safety that, frankly, I think we are all looking forward to. I think the ladies made a fantastic point that we have a lot of work to do before we get there. But, frankly, the leadership, like people here at ACB, is sort of giving input not only to Google and to the other auto manufacturers, but, frankly, talking to us as the highway safety agency to be able to make these things happen. This is a very important thing for us as an agency in talking about the Pedestrian Safety Enhancement Act of 2010 and specifically our work. Before I became the administrator of this agency, which deals with all of highway safety, the car regulation, making sure that people aren't driving distracted, they're not driving impaired, they're wearing their seatbelts, we have a very big responsibility. Before I came over to run this agency, I worked in the United States Senate as a lawyer. And one of the issues that was brought to me several years ago by, frankly, the members of ACB and other constituency groups was the problem with hybrid vehicles and the fact that it is making it very dangerous for people that are visually impaired and blind to actually know where a car is and it is increasing risk. Now, I'll have to admit, in 2005, I purchased a hybrid vehicle. I liked my hybrid vehicle because it was quiet. And hearing the feedback from all of you Pose an interesting question, but we had no data. In 2009, the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration did a study. 
And we recognize that hybrid vehicles in slow-moving environments in parking lots actually doubled the crash risk for pedestrians. People weren't hearing these vehicles, and people who were driving these vehicles, frankly, were not being careful and being recognized that people can't hear them. This was a problem. Luckily, your leadership, your hard work, got us the Pedestrian Safety Enhancement Act of 2010 and the opportunity for this agency to finish a rule which will have sounds added to every electric or hybrid vehicle so that each vehicle can be specifically recognized as a car during low-speed maneuvers. You will not be caught surprised by another vehicle again when this rule gets finished and the implementation of this technology comes to the fore. We will be finishing our proposal very soon. It was due on July the 5th. As we know, the government runs fine but sure. We have a few more details to sort of put the bow on this particular piece of work, but it would not have happened. We would not be here where we are talking about the opportunity for increasing the quality of life, not only for those of you here at ACB and other folks that represent the visually impaired, but improving the quality of life for every single person in America. You should all be so proud of what you've done and your leadership in this space. We at NHTSA have a lot of work to do. Y'all have more work to do. We need to keep hearing from you. When this proposal comes out, we want to hear comments on our work. We think we've been worked very hard on trying to create an opportunity and sound that everybody in this room could be able to recognize a hybrid vehicle as being a vehicle and being able to protect yourselves as you do right now making sure that every single day, making sure that you're safe walking the streets and the sidewalks of North America. Keep an eye out for our work. We're pushing very hard. And again, God bless you and thank you for your leadership in this space, not only here, but in all the other wonderful things that you're advocating for. I represent ACB on a committee under the auspices of the Society for Automotive Engineers. And last year, I was in Kalamazoo, Michigan, where I got to hear firsthand some of the uh, engine sounds that General Motors is working on. And I know that there are a couple of members from your staff who attend those meetings. It's not quite clear to me, though, the coordination between the Vehicle Sound for Pedestrian Committee, which is what it's called, and NHTSA, and perhaps you can help me understand the interface between the two. As the uh, regulatory agency, we take information from a variety of expert sources, um, from the SAE working groups that you're talking about and others, and manufacturers themselves. Um, we do research um, with individuals that have great interest in this. We run human factors test groups. And so all of this work is compiled, and we do our final analysis as part of this proposal. So all of the input that's coming in from SAE and these particular groups, we've taken under consideration. And you will see uh, that work reflected in the proposal when we issue it later on this month. Thank you so much again, ACB. Congratulations and God bless you. Really do appreciate your support and your hard work and making America safer. Thank you so much. That was National Highway Traffic Safety Administration spokesman David Strickland, who was also recorded at the ACB conference in Louisville, Kentucky. ACB reports will provide updates on quiet car regulations as they develop. But because there are just too many good, noisy car songs out there, our program closes with a story about a memorable set of wheels from Brian Highland. Bop, bop, bop.
put all our money together and went to the used car lot. We put all our money together. This is the car that we got. It was lopsided, overloaded, and it wiggled when we rode it. But we loved that crazy little car. There were paint headlights on the fenders, held in place by green suspenders. How we loved our wacky little car. We drove to the game on a Sunday. Of us in the car, the load was too heavy to carry. The car didn't get very far. It was lopsided, overloaded, and it wiggled when we rode it. It collapsed and nearly broke our hearts. There were pink headlights on the fenders, held in place by green suspenders, but they snapped into a million parts. Bought bubble gum by the bushel and dipped bobby pins in glue. We put all the pieces together. Our buggy was running like new. It was lost. You've been listening to ACB Reports, heard on radio information services nationwide on side four of the Braille Forum cassette edition and throughout the world on acbradio.org. ACB Reports is produced at Radio Reading Service of Mississippi, a service of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. Contact the American Council of the Blind online at acb.org or phone 800-424-8666. Thanks for listening, and please join us again next month for another ACB Reports. Live-sided over.